Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. Coming up, the Independent School District is rolling out a shorter week this school year, leaving many families trying to figure out how to keep their kids busy on Mondays. We've had the response from, hey, this is great, one less day a week I have to get my kids up, all the way to, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my children. We'll hear more on the latest Missouri district to switch to a four-day school week. Plus, dealing with household clutter is a part of life, but for some people, it spirals into hoarding and they need extra help. For some people, throwing things away is like throwing away a part of themselves. It's the support of the emotional side that is an enormous component to this. We'll learn why experts say the problem could be on the rise in Kansas. But first, some headlines. Dangerously hot temperatures, around 100 degrees and higher, are expected to stick around through Friday. KCUR's Hallie Jackson reports it's especially important that people can keep air conditioning running at home. The United Way says it's seen dozens of requests during this heat wave for resources like cooling centers, fans, and air conditioners. But its biggest request is for help paying utility bills. Kara Moshek is a spokesperson for the United Way. She says its 211 line has heard over 1,600 requests for utility assistance over the past two weeks. We had triple-digit temperatures back in July, so families are just now starting to get those bills in the mail. And then now you're going to be hit with a second set of potentially very high bills, so families are really hedging. Being able to cool down indoors is especially critical when heat index values are so high. Experts are suggesting people avoid going outdoors at all during the day. Kansas City Public Schools will release all students from school early this week due to the heat. The district said in a statement yesterday that many school buildings either don't have air conditioning or are struggling to stay cool. Some schools will end the day at 10.50, some will end at 11.50, and others will end at 12.45. All students will be served lunch before they leave. Sports teams can still practice but must do so indoors, and there will be no after-school care. Eight schools finished the day early yesterday due to high temperatures. Newly released documents show the justification behind the raid of the Marion County record earlier this month. KCUR's Madeline Fox reports. The search centered on the paper's inquiry into a local business owner applying for a Kansas liquor license. One of the paper's reporters entered the business owner's information into a Department of Revenue website to verify that she had a DUI and was driving without a license. Police said that was illegal and used it to justify the August 11th raids. The paper's lawyer, Bernie Rhodes, says privacy and public records laws allow the online search. The idea that it's an unauthorized use of a computer is simply wrong since the very purpose of the Department of Revenue website is to check people's driver's license. Law enforcement returned the seized computers and phones last week. We'll be back after this. This will be the first year Independence will have its students in school only four days a week after the school board approved a shorter schedule in December. But as kids start class today, many have questions about what it'll actually look like. KCUR education reporter Jody Fortino broke it down with editor Madeline Fox. 
So Jody, about a quarter of Missouri schools have switched to a four-day week, but Independence is just the largest of those school districts. Why did they and why have others made this switch? So most of the school districts that we've seen make the switch have been smaller and mostly rural schools, and Independence is by far the largest one. A lot of the reasons for the other schools has to come with funding, teacher shortages, and staffing issues that have been plaguing the state and nationally. And it's specifically wanting to recruit and retain teachers that Independence is wanting to do with this new schedule. And the superintendent, Dale Hurl, says that's exactly what it did. This was all about attracting and retaining the very best staff. And we can unequivocally say that we've done that. We had more than four times as many applications for our teaching positions than what we had a year ago. So a four-day school week, what will that look like in practice for independence? So the four days that students will be in the classroom is going to be Tuesday through Friday. Mondays, which the school district is calling its fifth day, is going to have different clubs, activities, additional learning opportunities. What's important to note, though, is that the four days that kids are in school, they're actually going to have longer school days. So that means that they'll be able to get the instructional hours that is required by the state. And they will actually have a few five-day weeks. They will have a few five-day weeks, that's correct. So they actually will not start this different schedule until after Labor Day. And even when they return from the second semester that first week, they'll also be going for five days, as well as other weeks, for example, Thanksgiving, when you might have a day off during the week, they'll go ahead and attend school that Monday. So what will kids do on Mondays? What are the options that they have? So there's quite a few options that the district is offering students on that Monday. So the first being clubs for both kids in elementary, middle school, and high school. For elementary school, there's some fun ones like, you know, running slash walking, arts and crafts, or they can join a sports team club. Different clubs are going to be offered to high school, but those ones will pop up during the year when they get created. There's also some opportunities for students to catch up academically if they're behind. So students who are in kindergarten through fifth grade who are at least one year behind academically can attend the district's tutoring program called the Learning League. So that's free, but it is invite only. And then students who are middle and high school can attend free academic support programming and get tutoring and make up attendance if they are behind. The only activity that will have district-provided transportation is that thing called the Learning League, which is for those elementary students. Everything else, parents would have to find transportation for. As far as lunch goes, so far from my understanding is those different combined sites that they're going to have students do these activities with, some of them are going to offer free meals to both students and staff who need them. But again, it would be up to parents to be able to provide that transportation to go and get that food. So obviously, schools are a huge part of their community. And when a school is making a big change like this, the community is going to be affected. So what are you hearing from community organizations? It's kind of the squishy time is what they told me ahead of the actual four-day week rolling out. So that means they're fielding questions from parents about, you know, we're hearing there's going to be all these things. There's going to be food. There may be transportation to some activities as well as these learning opportunities for kids. But no one really knows what that will look like. This is the biggest school district that's made this change in the state. And that's exactly what Jennifer Manulele-Ua said she's been hearing at the Community Services League. We've had the response from, hey, this is great. One less day a week I have to get my kids up. 
all the way to, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my children. They're expecting to have a better gauge for what families are needing as far as transportation, childcare, and how to connect them with other community partners to meet those needs once the school year starts and they can see what challenges families are facing. So it sounds like we will have more to talk about as we learn more. Definitely. Jody. thank you so much. Thank you. That was KCUR's Jody Fortino and Madeline Fox. Most of us have extra clutter lying around the house, but sometimes the issue is more extreme and can rise to the level of hoarding. Experts say the problem is on the rise in Kansas because of an aging population and a lack of mental health providers. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports. Before Beck Bright Samarzia gets down to work, she suits up. So I always wear a back brace and I always wear an N95 and then I glove up because, you know, you never know. The owner of the Wichita business Paper Shift ICT is helping one of her clients clean out the house her family has lived in for generations. And here's the empty container too. Perfect. Today, they're tackling the basement, sorting through a half century's worth of memories, relics, and some junk. That's paperwork. These are electronics. I need to go through this box. Okay. The client is Jamie Park. Her family has long struggled with hoarding. Now she's trying to break the cycle and make the space livable for her and her kids. Bright Samarzia recently helped her clear out the laundry room so she could reach the washing machine. Park had been going to laundromats for years. I couldn't see the floor growing up, so this is crazy to me. Bright Samarzia is a former therapist. She started the business after she noticed a lack of resources for people who struggle with clutter. People call her after a family member dies, and it's too overwhelming to sort through the house alone. Others have mental illnesses or physical limitations that make it hard to deal with their own belongings. The work can be intense, physically and emotionally. For some people, throwing things away is like throwing away a part of themselves. So let's find a way to honor that and support you through it because it's the support of the emotional side that is an enormous component to this. Wichita therapist Nancy Trout runs a monthly support group for people with hoarding disorders. She thinks most portrayals of hoarding in popular media, like the TV show Hoarders, send the wrong message. That is quite the entrance to a house. This is pretty extreme. Trout says simply getting rid of the stuff is only part of the answer. People also need help addressing underlying mental health issues. Anxiety and depression are two of the biggest mental health issues that go along with hoarding. And the stuff becomes kind of a protective nest. But it can be hard to get help, especially in Kansas, which is ranked one of the worst states in the country on access to mental health care. Meanwhile, experts worry the state's aging population could fuel a rise in hoarding in the coming decades. Randy Frost is a professor emeritus of psychology at Smith College. He says around 2.5% of the general population has a hoarding disorder, but the prevalence is a lot higher among older adults. The behavior itself appears to start early in life, but most of the time when we see someone with a clinically significant hoarding problem, they tend to be older. Census data shows the number of Kansans 65 and older grew 30 percent between 2010 and 2020. 
And new projections by Wichita State University predict much larger growth in that age group than in younger cohorts over the next 50 years. Trout says untreated hoarding among older adults puts more pressure on social services, and it can create problems for the broader community. And if someone falls and first responders have to get in to get them, it's hard to get through the house. Um, It's a huge fire danger that can also cause problems for the neighbors. She and other experts want to see Kansas invest more in addressing the unique problems older adults face in managing their homes. They point to San Francisco, which runs a peer support program where recovered hoarders learn how to help others who are struggling. And they say officials need to do more to ensure people of all ages can access mental health care to help treat problems before they become serious. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Rose Conlin in Wichita. KCUR's Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Jody's coverage of the Independent School District and Rose's story about hoarding in Kansas at KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show and want to help us out, you can leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. It really helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.